It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension. There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of Beyond Zero Emissions Show. Recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au and whatever podcasting app you choose to use. And don't forget you can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. Today we have Lisa Blaisley and Scott Watkins in the studio. Lisa, amongst a number of things, handles business development work for a solar roofing product called Solmax. Scott Watkins has been a previous guest on the show and has led CSIRO's work on printed solar cells before moving on to work in a number of other solar and printed related projects. Scott, also amongst other things, has been doing some work with Lisa on applications for Solmax roofing. I'll hand it over to Scott and Lisa to tell us about their work. Welcome, Scott. Thank you. It's good to be back. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for joining us. We're going to talk a little bit today about these, uh, the roofing product and specifically the way that it's helping make solar be able to be used in different ways. So Solmax is a steel roofing product that can incorporate silicon or, or thin film cells. And it's, it's probably best if we start with the roof itself. And Lisa, that began with a, a product called Aramax that, that is the steel roofing. Can you tell us what Aramax is and, and how it started? Absolutely. So uh, Aramax is a roll form structural steel cladding. Uh, it was developed by my father, actually, about 20 years ago. Uh, and it's become, I guess, a bit of an overnight success. Uh, it's, it's been a After long... 20 years. <laughs> After 20 years, yes. Uh, so look, it's, it's been a long time in the making. It was first patented in 1998. And uh, it's gone through a kind of varied... Uh, kind of structure of different uh, licensees, but it's now licensed by Fielders. That started about four years ago, and um, they manufacture and distribute the product in Australia and New Zealand, and it's sold as Aramax Freespan. So can you describe to our listeners what it actually looks like? So it's kind of like a, a deep pan profile. Uh, it's, it's sort of like a V-shaped profile. It goes through a roll form machine, so it's basically like a steel sheet that kind of crimps through this machine on site. So it does cut down a lot of the transport costs and logistic issues with uh, these large kind of roll formed profiles. So it's, um, it's quite good for larger buildings as well as smaller buildings as well. So the, the roll of steel is shipped to the site and then you can pass it through a crimper that can uh, form it into this, this V shape that, that you described and then you can make that any length, is that correct? So, uh, yeah, look, I think one of the largest lengths that we've recently um, rolled out was 130 metres, so very, very long. It can span up to 20 metres unsupported, so it's very good for larger commercial and industrial applications, but we've also done some domestic applications as well. And so just to focus on on that span, because that's one of the key features of Aramax, and when I I first saw it, I think, you know, I, I don't know a lot about the building trade, but that was immediately obvious to me that that was something different because when you have normal corrugated iron roofs, steel roofs, you you have supports sort of every five or six metres, but you said up to 20 metres span. 
That's correct, yeah. It, it does actually reduce the amount of structural steel that you require by up to 40%, which in terms of environmental implications is, is very, very good. Steel, in order to be created, has a lot of embodied energy. So if you can reduce the amount of structural steel that you require, you're not only reducing costs, but you're in reducing the uh, environmental impact of the building. And there's been a few sort of big high-profile buildings that Aramax has been been used in. Can you tell people about some of those? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so, look, Aramax has actually been used for about 200 buildings in Australia and Malaysia so far. Some of the larger profile buildings um, would be the White Bay Passenger Terminal in Balmain in Sydney. It's a beautiful building. With my architecture background, I, I quite love visiting that place. The Wynn Stadium, also in Wollongong. The National Portrait Gallery in Canberra, which was designed by Peter Stutchbury. And the Deepwater Woolshed, um, also designed by Peter Stutchbury in Wagga Wagga. And that one actually was kind of the first landmark building that used Aramax. It won quite a few architectural awards. And I also went into the uh, the netball centre at Homebush, also in, in Sydney, and that, that has one of as an Aramax roof. It does, yeah. It's um, it's quite a large building and, and that was the one that was using those very long spans of Aramax that I spoke of before. So that's recently been finished. Um, that was project managed by Fielders um, and the building company that obviously um, constructed that one. So yeah, it was a really good uh, good example of how to use Aramax. Because again, when, when, you know, not having that building experience, but when I went into there, it was immediately obvious to me how this large span, so there was just very few supporting structures in this whole building. You had steel that, that spanned the whole way across the, the court. Yeah, look, it's um, it's great in terms of, you know, being able to kind of have these engineering feats. Um, and a lot of people, once you're inside, don't really initially notice the, the lack of structural support, but it just kind of contributes to, uh, I guess, a, a feel of an environment um, like the Wind Stadium as well, uh, where the, the structure was actually above the, the roof. Um, so it, it just kind of contributes to, um, I guess, the architectural and aesthetic qualities of a, of a building, not, not just that engineering side of things. So the the all those things are, are really great, and from a you know manufacturing point of view, it's great Australian product that can be manufactured on site. But what we wanted to focus on in this discussion is the the solar aspects of it, and it, it became apparent to to Wade, you, yourself, and Brett, and the, the team that there was opportunities to improve the roof by putting solar panels on the top, and and you sort of identified this separate product Solmax and so can you describe how you you put the solar panels on the top of this? Yeah absolutely so I guess uh, the realisation that you know Aramax the Aramax product itself which the panels are about 30 centimetres wide so it's a pretty it's a pretty wide um, panel which is perfectly suited to um, placing you know your rigid framed uh, PV panels that you you know, put on the top of your house. And that kind of then developed into uh, an idea of applying thin film flexible panels as well. So look, I guess in terms of the actual construction, uh, we've we've done about three megawatts of Aramax Plus PV in Malaysia. And we've just completed our first Aramax Plus solar installation in South Australia. So those applications use the rigid PV panels where they just kind of used a, a small bracket that clipped onto the top of the Aramax panel. And uh, it was a very low labour, easy to use uh, solution in terms of fixing the, the panels. Because I, I guess what you find in, in Australia is that a large proportion of the cost for PV 
is to do with the actual systems that you require to mount the panels. With Aramax, it's kind of a, a ready-to-go structure, really, and it's very easy to, uh, to place those panels on top. So one of the, for our listeners, if you imagine a cross-section of the roof, uh, a normal steel roof is just a, a flat or very slight corrugation and the solar panels are, are adhered to that roof. With Aramax, you've got a, a V-shape on the roof with this repeating V pattern that says, as Lisa said, about 30 centimetres wide. And then the solar panels are placed over the top of that V, creating some sort of triangle cavities that run along the length of the roof underneath that. And that delivers a number of other benefits as well. But one of the things that I think I was most impressed by, which you sort of alluded to, was this clip-on process. So am I correct? That means that you don't have to penetrate the roof. That's correct, yeah. So look, I guess that's kind of been the first step of Aramax Plus Solar. We've in 2014, we've since developed into um, this idea of Solmax, which is a composite roofing product, which integrates Aramax with the solar PV, as I just described, but um, included in it is also wool insulation and a lightweight cladding that actually braces on top of the Aramax panels and underneath the, the PV solar. They kind of all come together to create what's been painted as Solmax. And essentially, the whole idea is to develop it to meet Section J um, insulation energy requirements in Australia. And that, that V-shaped cavity that runs along the length of the roof then that's underneath the solar panel, that can have some benefits too, I understand. Uh, yeah, look, I guess in terms of the ability to install insulation within that area, it does give us an opportunity to um, improve the environmental qualities of, of a roofing system. We've also done some pretty interesting stuff in terms of perforating a second skin of Aramax, which helps to improve the, the acoustic quality. So it, it actually absorbs sound a little bit as well. And it also creates the ability to ventilate the roofing cavity so air can actually flow through that area and that helps to cool uh, the, the roof on top um, so the PV panels can operate better. So I first came in contact with you when, uh, when you approached the Victorian Organic Solar Cell Consortium that I was working with about, about being involved. And for the listeners that don't know, the Victorian Organic Solar Cell Consortium was a, a is a, a network of researchers here in, in Victoria, in Australia, that links together groups at the University of Melbourne, Monash University and the CSIRO. And the groups there have been developing for about the past eight years the materials and processes to enable low-cost, thin-film, printable solar cells. And the idea behind this was to try and develop technologies that could be made part of a roof, for example, or part of a building structure, rather than something that's added on later. And in the early days uh, and continuing through the project, we have had involvement from Blue Scope Steel and they had uh, very strongly supported us with the idea of wanting to develop a product that, that could be incorporated into steel. But uh, Lisa came along with, with Aramax uh, and, and said that they too were interested. And we were really, really excited by that, Lisa, because it was, you know, you, you are a relatively small Australian company, but to see as a small Australian company recognising the benefits of investing in some of the research at the early stage was, was really great. And we thought, you know, here's a group of people who are innovating and they're interested in our innovation. So it was a good combination. So can you tell us how, how you heard about Vikosk and how you came to decide to be involved with us? 
Absolutely. So uh, I was actually studying uh, the Master of Energy Systems at Melbourne University, which is a great course, uh, which I've recently finished. And uh, there was a lecture from Dr. David Jones, um, who's actually a project coordinator for the Vikosk group. And uh, he was giving a lecture about organic solar cells and uh, talking about the ability to kind of incorporate that within thin film solar um, sheets. And uh, I guess my mind started immediately thinking about how to integrate that with Aramax and, and the opportunities that could uh, that could present. So I, uh, I got on the phone with my father, Wade Blaisley, and um, we started kind of talking about it. And, you know, he's, he's an inventor, so he immediately started imagining all the possibilities. And uh, I reached out to, to Mr. Jones and uh, it kind of went from there. Obviously, we, we travelled down to, uh, to Melbourne because our uh, research facility in Karkor in rural New South Wales and uh, we had a meeting and uh, really hit it off with you guys and it's uh, it's kind of all gone from there. What was your first impressions coming into the, the research labs? <laughs> Look, we were very impressed. Um, we love the you idea. Flatterers. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we love the idea that you guys are using um, commercially available printers to be able to uh, print the, the organic cells straight onto a transparent sheet, which essentially is the, the technology behind um, creating those thin film flexible panels. And uh, yeah, it was, it was I, I think, just the combination of, you know, other Australians who are invested in, in kind of innovative technology that it is helping, you know, the world get to the place where it really needs to be. I just felt as though everyone in the room was kind of headed in the same direction and I, I think you guys kind of felt the same way. Yeah, definitely. And and that research is still ongoing. I should stress stress to people that the um the development uh, as as Lisa said we we the the consortium put together these very large printers and it's still happening and the consortium has been well supported by the institutions, the universities and CSIRO and, and the government. The stage that it's at now is really looking to deploy the first examples of, of commercial products. And there's always a, a, a interest in getting commercial partners to co-invest in that, to come and use some of the equipment as their pilot line or, or their testbed. Uh, so that's that's the state of, of where things are at at the moment. But it really needs that, that commercial investment to continue to take it on to the, the next level. You are listening to the Beyond Zero Emissions show with Scott Watkins and Lisa Blaisley, who are discussing Solmax and Aramax. So I want to turn now to um, another application that Lisa, you and I and Brett and Wade had been discussing uh, of um, Solmax. And this is um, something we, we brainstormed a few ideas and we, we right now we're calling it an energy hub. And this was Wade and, and Brett's idea to address an issue in parts of the world where community scale solar is desirable. So I've previously done some work in India with an Australian social enterprise called Pollinate Energy that is selling individual people living in small tents, a small solar panel that lights up, that powers a light uh, for their home. But there are many situations where a larger system that could produce more energy could be used and immediate applications are things like schools or, or markets. And Wade came up with this idea that one of the benefits that we discussed earlier of Aramax is that it can span very large distances. And so his idea was to take two shipping containers, which are readily available items around the world. There's millions of shipping containers everywhere. And some of these shipping containers are refrigerated, so they have batteries and, uh, and inverters in them. And then placing them 20 metres apart and then putting steel roofing across the top of them and then the solar panels on the top. 
And the idea that, that Wade and Brett presented to me was that these these sheets of steel with the, the solar panels could all be shipped to the location inside the shipping container and then basically assembled on site using the minimum amount of labor because it just involves putting the, the sheet up on top and resting it on, on, on top of the, the shipping containers and then securing it down. But there's no other structure necessary. So the end result is that the community gets a building that can generate energy. And what that does is gives them a whole range of options. They could use it for lighting, so for things like schools and stuff. They could use it to power the refrigerators. So storing food is a, is a big problem in many developing countries where they, they grow food, but then it is spoilt before it can get, get to market. So this idea potentially addresses a, a, a number of different problems that are much larger than an individual lighting up their own home. And Lisa, you were able to sort of take this idea and, and turn it into some concept diagrams. So can you sort of dis- describe your initial reactions to the idea and, and, and where you think that it's going? Yeah, look, I thought it was a, a great idea from, from the get-go and um, I'd kind of been associated with, with Pollinate a little bit as well. So I, I sort of had, a, had an idea of um, what these communities looked like and um, what issues they were experiencing. So I guess in terms of the, the actual system, I always envis- envisaged something that was very simple, um, very straightforward and, you know, easy easy to construct on site. So essentially, you know, you've got basically those, as, as you kind of described, the two refrigerated or unrefrigerated shipping containers and basically with the roof on top and and the solar panels incorporated, creates a space in between which is not only practical, but also I think very important from a social aspect where you're creating a hub for the community where, you know, you've got food, you've got lighting, you've got a place for people to to really congregate. And uh, that could be used as a school or a market, a general meeting place. So there's, I guess, a lot of flexibility and a lot of opportunity that this could create for for those remote or lower socioeconomic communities. So at at the moment, this is still a a concept and and we've put together a little bit of a a webpage to sort of show off the idea. And so if if people are interested, the the website's energyhub.solar, so www.energyhub.solar. But this is something that we've, I guess, been talking with a few different partners about thinking, you know, are people interested in the idea? It's it's much more expensive than just putting a, a solar panel onto someone's roof. You know, we have to stress that. But what people are getting is a building. So that's what, what it needs to be, be costed against. And one of the ideas that uh, that Brett had had, I, I think, was diff- there are different ways to sort of monetize this option. And the idea that once you set it up, you could set it up with a manager who then rents part of it out or... or um, leases, sections of the refrigerated unit. Uh, is Can you fill us in on some of those sort of details? Yeah, so um, I guess the whole idea is to make sure that it's a viable building that works for the community and um, obviously, you know, generating income for uh, for the communities is certainly a big part of that. So I guess, you know, in looking at all of those aspects that we've been talking about in terms of food storage, in terms of um, an ability for people to sell their wares, in terms of people to, to meet and perhaps use it as a school or um, even a workplace, you know, a place where it could um, power computers and enable people to use uh, the internet possibly. 
you know, there's a, there's a lot of different opportunities to, to kind of monetize it. And, and as you said, you know, it could be, um, you know, individuals leasing it from a manager or, or groups leasing it um, at a particular time. So, you know, time sharing the space. Uh, so look, there's, there's, I guess, a lot of different structures that that could take. And uh, it's just a matter of, you know, I guess, consulting with the community, seeing what works for them, trying different iterations of, of that system and uh, going from there. And uh, one of the um, uh, and another area that that Brett had introduced to me was the idea that you could also use this energy to do different things. So even the possibility of using it as a, a station where you could um, do hydrogen production from water and do things like uh, you know hydrogen powered vehicles and things. There's there's an endless range of things that you could do with this this energy, isn't there? Definitely, yeah. I love the uh, the hydrogen powered bike. <laughs> That's yeah. one of my favourites. There's there's research happening at the the University of New South Wales about developing these very efficient bicycles that uh, that have a, a very small canister of hydrogen that can uh, increase their range and, and power them. And you the, you could easily envisage a sort of swap and go sort of situation where you, you take this small hydrogen canister and you're creating the hydrogen from water and 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 then when you're 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 using that as a as a fuel for the bike. And you know I, I think it's a great option because as um, I'm sure many of our listeners know when you go to a lot of developing countries, motorcycles is a, a very common sight and that's creating problems about pollution and, and it creates issues with supply of uh, fuel for them, uh, but also greenhouse gas emissions. So any, uh, any changes that can make, I, th- I think, are really great too. So, yeah, so we, we stress the, the Energy Hub idea is, is an idea that's out there. If any of our listeners are interested, I think both of us would be very happy to talk. I think a key next step is to actually build one and, and show in, in practice how it actually uh, operates. But what's happening now, Lisa, with regards to, to Solmax as a product? Because that, that is something that's in, in the market now. And, and you mentioned um, installations in, in Australia and Malaysia. So what's, what's happening now with Solmax? Yeah, so I guess the... the Basic Aramax Plus uh, PV is going really well. Um, as I mentioned, we've we've had our first um, commercial install in South Australia that's just been completed, and uh, there's been a lot of activity in, in Malaysia um, where you know you've got industrial um, buildings and factories that require power during the day, and um, obviously solar panels works you know very well for that. So that that's been going really well in terms of the Solmax product uh, that integrates insulation. We with uh, the the thin bracing panel as well. That's, um, I guess, being tested at our facilities in Karkor, New South Wales, and we're just in the process of confirming our first commercial install of that fully integrated composite product. So, yeah, look, it's it's going very well, and and Aramax itself is is very popular, and it's kind of a no-brainer for me to to integrate solar with that, um, particularly, you know, in, in larger buildings where they've got a lot of energy consumption during the day. So, yeah, it's it's uh, very much, a, I guess, a work in progress, but um, certainly something that's got a lot of promise and a, and a lot of potential in the future. The Aramax Plus PV, are there in- Australian installations of that? Yes. Yeah. So we've just finished our first um, commercial installation in South Australia. Okay. Because one of the issues uh, that, um, I, I, that is relevant is that a country like Malaysia that's closer to the equator, these uh, very flat roof is, is okay because this, the angle of the sun is, is okay such that the PV panels will work that way work okay. In in Australia, there is the option uh, to orient your panels on a slope to, I guess, to, to perform better. And that's the typical ins- installation here. But 
you you've found that that hasn't been a barrier to getting it adopted here by Australian companies? Not at all. I, I guess with Aramax, you find that the uh, the real estate on top of a roof is is quite significant. Uh, so as and because the price of a, a standard rigid uh, framed silicon panel is is quite inexpensive at the moment really compared to what it was you know 10 years ago it's quite easy to be able to just sheet an entire roof um, with the the PV panels and um, you know generate what you need from from that so look it's very much a cost-effective exercise. Yeah I think that's a really important point because often people can even on household installations can get hung up on saying oh my roof's not perfectly inclined and and north facing but there are opportunities for flat roofs there are opportunities for west facing roofs that Australia's a pretty sunny place. Definitely and I think with the uh, the thin film that uh, you guys are developing that's uh, even more flexible in terms of being able to um, kind of uh, I guess be efficient in those perhaps um, not traditionally ideal applications. Great well it's been really great discussing all of this with you Lisa thank you for coming in in today we've uh, we've obviously got a few different things that we that we've discussed and um, and if listeners are interested in any of these things what's the what's the best way for them to find out some more information about the Aramax products yep so get in touch with fielders um, just uh, ask to talk about the Aramax free span product fielders is um, available nationwide and in terms of Solmax inquiries can be forwarded to us via the energy hub website and we're, we're, we always invite inquiries from listeners and uh, we're happy to kind of take suggestions and, and think about different ways that we can apply this product. I think that's, that's one of the, the things that is the real strength here is that, that you know, speaking from outside the, the immediate team, so Wade and, and Lisa and Brett have been very open to different ideas and uh, the three of you are incredibly innovative people and I think that's really uh, really to be valued here in Australia because there's a lot of companies looking for just a short-term win but Aramax is an example of a company that's developed significant a significant innovation in a in an industry that hasn't been renowned for innovation roofing um, you know corrugated panels have been around for a long time so well done to to you and the team and, um, and as I said it's been really great to have you here with us in the studio today and I'm sure some of our listeners will be will be really interested to see where Aramax and and the Solmax products go go from here so thanks a lot for coming in today Lisa thanks for having me thanks Lisa thank you Scott You are listening to the Beyond Zero show and it was brought to you by the climate change solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions. And if you would like to listen to this show or any of the others we have done, then you can go to www.bze.org.au and click on podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at BZE Tech Show. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.